Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of BizBytes. And uh, as I do with every episode, I'm going to allow my guest to introduce herself because we've actually only just met as well. So, Nikki, if you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your business. Well, thank you very much, Anthony, for having me. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Nikki Firth. I'm the founder and director of Your Accounting Sanctuary. It's a boutique accounting practice that allows people to actually understand their numbers with ease so that they're not stressed, they're not intimidated, and it means that they can make the right business decisions at the right time, which is massively important for a growing business. A hundred percent. I know how important that is. Uh, and 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 it's. I think it's important for businesses at any level, isn't it? It's, it's because in order to know that you're growing business, you actually have to understand the numbers in the first place because sometimes what you when you think it's growing, the, the numbers might tell you a slightly different story. Exactly right. Yeah. You've said it yourself, the numbers tell the story. And I think sometimes um, we can make the wrong decisions because we're not looking at those numbers closely enough. And those those decisions can be really costly if it's something of big value. So it's, it's really important to know them. Yeah, I think it's so easy in business, you know, business owners, we we have this expectation thrust upon ourselves, I think, by ourselves, that we should be an expert in everything. And the truth is we're not, you know, I, I know, I mean, that's why I come in and do marketing for people, uh, because, you know, just because you're in business doesn't instantly make you a marketing expert. And I know from personally that uh, being in business and, and being in business for over 12 years now, doesn't mean that I'm an expert in the financial side. In fact, far from it. And uh, I know how important it is to have good people and and uh, and dashboards and things around you, because otherwise you do what I did for many many years, which is go, oh, there's money in the bank account, so I can spend it with no idea of to whether. I actually had some expenses that were coming up that meant that what the bank account looked like did not actually reflect how much profit there was. And that can go either way as we as we talked about. So it is such a critical thing. And I mean, how how early does do you find that people need to adopt someone like yourself in, in a business? Is it something from the beginning or is it something there's a certain point where you find they come in? I actually think it should be from the beginning. Um, you said it yourself where we go into business and suddenly we're meant to know how to spin 10 different plates. We're meant to be the expert finance person, the expert marketer, the expert financial advisor for our own lives. And it's it's incredibly hard to do all this stuff. We know our own profession and we've done that for years, but then the thought of doing something different is really difficult. So it's I think it's actually essential that you get on board those trusted advisors that can help you spin those plates because they're experts in their field. And if they're giving you the right advice, that growth will probably be 10 times faster because you've got people who know what they're doing and they won't let you make as many mistakes. We, there's no point in trying to reinvent the wheel. If you can be around people who know how to do it and do it well, just surround yourself with those people. Yeah, I I, I liken it to this, um, that when we started getting phones that smartphones and we had cameras in our in our pockets 
everyone suddenly magically thought they were photographers. But you can see the difference between the photos that each of us take and what a professional can do, and particularly a really great professional. And there's a world of difference between the two. And I think that's the difference that we have in many aspects of our business as well. There's not that you can't do some of the stuff. It's just there's a difference between those who are doing it day in and day out uh, that really can can be significant. Um, I wanted to to delve a little bit deeper, though, um, that's great to know what you do, but I want to know a little bit more about why you do it. So, so, so take me back to how you get into accounting in the first place. I know that probably seems very dry to pick to, to many people, but what, what um, made you go into that field? What was the journey like? Did it go back to kind of high school, university days, or where did that first come into the play for you? Well, it is. I mean, when you meet someone nowadays and you tell them you're an accountant, you can just see their face drop and they start to take a couple of steps away from you and you're like, no, well, I promise. Um, I, I was that um, child who just loved numbers. I really enjoyed it. I, you know, for lessons, I used to take my maths books home just because I wanted to finish them. I just really enjoyed them. For me, I think numbers are either right or wrong. Whereas words, I do enjoy words and I enjoy to read, but the answers can often be really subjective and it's opinionated and numbers are just right or wrong. So I think that was where I started to love them. And I remember going to my dad one day at about the age of 12 and saying, dad, what can I do for a job? And he said, well, you could be a banker or a solicitor or an accountant. And that was it. I wanted to be an accountant for the rest of my career. Um, And I followed through my exams, all my uni degrees, I followed to do that. But I was very lucky that my first role as an accountant, I had an incredible mentor who taught me that accounting is not actually about, well, it is about the numbers, but it's more about the people and actually learning to talk to people and understand them and their methodologies for their business and understand how they like to live. And so when I've met a lot of accountants and worked in a few accountancy practices obviously we have that stereotype and I found that really difficult because for me how I've been taught was that you're actually meant to spend time with business owners help them to understand what's going on and talk to them in layman's terms nobody wants to be vomited terminology over them it's our job to actually explain it in ways that they'll understand and not be intimidated to actually ask us questions So the reason I set up the business was because I thought a lot of people don't seem to be doing this in our industry. And it was frustrating for me because there's so many amazing businesses out there and they're just not getting the help that they need to understand the numbers. So that's how your accounting sanctuary was born. It's about bringing in calm, bringing in relaxation and taking away that stereotype to the best of our ability. We do have personality we will talk in normal terms and hopefully help the business grow and the business owner grow as well. I, I love the uh, I love the branding from a marketing perspective because it's it, it has those layers to it um, in terms of you know what it can mean to people and it, and it is um, in many respects the opposite of, of of what you expect from accountants and and quite wrongly uh, I think and and uh, um, you know I've had lots of experience with accountants in, in, in different guises over the years, both helping them, uh, you know, them helping me, uh, being in different groups and things with them. And you're right. There's many that, um, 
are so caught up in the numbers that taking the time to understand the people and the way to relate that is uh, so um, against where they're at or they just don't seem to have those skills to be able to do that. And and it is a skill. It is. And, like, I I do understand it to a certain extent. We're very much like lawyers where we spend years training to learn the technical and we have to learn the technical. That's our profession but it does frustrate me that there's not one lesson in soft skills and how to actually relay the information that you know to somebody who isn't experienced in that. So I think there is a bit of a missing link somewhere. But, I, yeah, I do understand that a lot of people see it as a wasted time. I don't personally. I disagree. But I guess every business is different, and that's why I set up my own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's powerful. And by the way, I, I can I, I'll, I'll, I can sit on the opposite side of that fence where I studied, um, uh, you know, BA in communications and marketing. And when we did a semester on statistics, and because as a journalist, you often get statistics and opinion polls are a good example that you get in there. Um, they thought so highly of us. They not only gave us the formula in the exam, but they had in big in big block letters, don't forget to multiply by 100 to get a percentage. So, you know, they really didn't think much of our maths ability at that time, which is a worry considering how many, how many of those people... Um, and many of them are quite public figures now that were, went through courses with me. And I'm not saying that they were in that category of not knowing those things, but these are people that have gone on to become big time reporters. So understanding the numbers is, is not always an easy thing for those people. But I think no. that understanding is, is, is so massive. And I, I do want to delve into why you established your business, but before I do that, I'm interested because you mentioned your dad, obviously having a big influence yes. on you. Um and and that career. So so what did your what what did your dad do? Um, what was his his job back then? Uh, well, actually, I am the black sheep of my family. My entire family were teachers. Um, still are teachers. The younger generations. My dad had a varied career. He was a teacher. He was a sports centre manager. And they also ran a a village post office. Obviously, I'm from the UK. It was a village post office and general store. So it was very much centered around numbers and people business. So it kind of followed through that I like to watch what he was doing as well. Isn't that isn't that interesting though that that that, that influence that you, that clearly had on you that um, that sort of village post office life I know I know what that's about and that's you know it's very people centric um, it's one of those places where you know every pretty much everybody that walks in the door and the story behind them uh, and so that you know growing up with that and 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 teaching obviously is very much about understanding the the people that are in front of you usually children obviously and and um that are in front of you and and, and each of them have their own quirks and different under, you know different things that go along with them the parents that have different levels of influence and and so it is so important to be relatable so it's it's really interesting that you've gone from that background and and the numbers have clearly come from somewhere uh that that yes. uh you know uh, stray gene somewhere, but it's um, that's that's hooked you in that way. But it's really interesting how you've how you've brought that together. And so, so how long was it to that in terms of that desire to set up your own business? When did that come about? Yeah, funnily enough, when I was working in the UK, I was meant to be the succession plan for the small business that I was in. I was meant I had a director's role, and I was meant to take over the business from the business owner in time. 
And having seen my parents work in their own businesses for most of my life, I saw, and a lot of business owners will understand this, I saw the problems as a child. So I saw um, not a lot of money, fine, but not a lot of money, no holidays coming from the children's perspective, long hours, stress. My parents worked together, so there was a bit of stress and a bit of bickering going on. So I never wanted to run my own business. I thought it was just going to be too hard. Um, And then I've fallen into it anyway over here and I remember speaking to my old boss in the UK about it and he said oh no I always knew that you would go into this that's why I suggested it to you when you worked for me you obviously just weren't ready at the time but now you've fallen into it because that's your natural that's where you should be Um, and now it's here I I love it I see it as my second leap of faith my first was moving to Australia my second was setting up the business and it's, it's really difficult and it's the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's also the most rewarding. So I don't think I could actually go back into a job now. I say to some people, I think I'm unemployable because I just love working for myself now and making the decisions and watching something grow. It's the sign of a true entrepreneur. That's the the truth of it is there's a, the, after a very short period of time of enjoying that, that idea of being an entrepreneur and what it means and being through the highs and lows. And then any of us who have been an entrepreneur know that there are definitely lows as well as the highs, yeah. um, but it's, it is kind of addictive and that concept of going to work for someone else in that way oh. Um very challenging, and and I think you know certainly I I know from from uh, from my perspective, and I imagine it you know there there are probably some variations that you can have with this, but I can imagine for me going to work for another company again as I had done in the past would be um, really challenging because you'd be focused on one client all the time, whereas I I completely love the variety of of moving from business to business and knowing that, you know, that the, the, the huge variety in businesses that I deal with uh, just makes it that much more exciting uh, to, to, uh, to be a part of. Um, tell me a little bit about moving from, from the UK as well. How long ago did that happen for you? And, and, What's that? What's that been like? Because um, it's something that I relate to. My wife is from the UK as well, so um, she moved a fair while ago now. But I do understand what that journey's like. Yeah, it was nine years ago for me now. Um, I remember. I remember. I'd been on holiday here a few times, and I loved it. And I think I just realised it was getting expensive to keep coming back. So. I looked at the potential visa situations and I actually applied for a visa without my family knowing because I thought, well, if I don't get the visa, then there's no point upsetting everybody. So I applied for it all. And I remember the lady at the visa bureau saying to me, there's backlogs with visa applications. It could take anywhere from three, six, nine, maybe even 18 months. I had to go through a process of actually doing an English test, the IELTS test, which was interesting considering I was proving I could speak my own language. Um, You don't speak Australian, of course. You only speak English. That's There's a difference. That's it. (laughs) Um, But I remember the paperwork went in on the Thursday knowing that there's this huge delay, but that was fine because I wasn't in any rush. I was just doing it to see if I could get it. Went in on the Thursday and then on the Monday I had an email saying, congratulations, you've been approved for an independent skilled visa. So then I had to make the decision as to whether I was actually going to do it. 
when I made that decision, I then had to tell family and friends and, oh, I kid you not, it was the hardest, most emotional decision I have ever had to make. It was absolutely heartbreaking, but I knew it was for the best. And my family often said to me, why are you going? Can't you just move somewhere in the UK if it's about different way of living? Of course, my answer was no. Um, and I just said, well, look, I don't, I don't want to move or have an idea and then regret not doing it when I'm 80 years old and sat in a chair and they'll, oh, I should have done that. And I thought, well, I always make my big decisions based on the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario of this was, well, if I hate it, then I'll come home. Mm. So I thought that was okay. And if I can cope with the worst case scenario, then I'll do it. So I jumped and the rest is history. And I haven't moved home because I love it. And it is still hard every time I go back and visit. But I think my family realize now that it's I'm doing more than I ever would have done in the UK. And I've achieved a lot more. And I love the lifestyle. So and the weather, obviously, it's much better. So Just a little bit. Yeah, it was incredibly difficult, but the right decision. Yeah, it's it's such a challenging thing to be able to do and um have full respect for doing it and i've 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 got friends that have um it's not worked for um in fact mm-hmm. i've uh, one friend that um they you know they moved the two of them with their kids and they'd been here for a period of time and she went back to see uh to attend to a parent who wasn't that well at the time and she went back and said i'm not coming back and so he had no choice but to pack up everything and move everything oh. back. Um, and yeah. and look, and, and I think in fairness, um, he loved the lifestyle here and he would be here back here in a heartbeat if he could. But um, it, it's it's great when you have that opportunity and it is a big, difficult decision to make. But sometimes lifestyle and your own, having your own, uh, your own headstrong way of wanting to do things just you can't you, you can't live a life of regrets then um you know you've got to give and it you a go. can't pass it up you can't and who pass would, it up and, and I, who I wouldn't want to live in australia right who wouldn't want to live here exactly it's gorgeous it's gorgeous but i was very fortunate that my family and my parents they're, they're very well at the moment um obviously which would if something happens then i'll have to go back for a short period of time but um can't see it being a long permanent move yeah, I think it's, 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 you know, distance is always a challenging thing. And I think, you know, particularly when we went through the period with COVID where I, you know, I feel terrible for all of those people that um, had people who were sick in other parts of the world and uh, there was no way of getting there. And that was uh, certainly a, a challenge um, for, for many people and, uh, and you know, um, but it's, it, it, it's so amazing to have done what you've done and that, understanding of those different things and i think that that whole process of of relocating and understanding what it means to family what it means to you what lifestyle means particularly lifestyle at a point in i guess in the world's history where people have made more lifestyle based decisions than ever before uh, with the changes of the workforce and having that basic understanding and that willingness to listen to people really does separate your business from um, standard accountants, and and I love yeah. that story that you've you've uh, you've given. Um, 
One final question I wanted to ask you, and I often try and ask the guests on the program a variation of this, but um, it's often only when people start working with us as um, as as clients that they have those aha moments of, gee, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I know this before? What's the what's the moment that you think most commonly people have, and you wish that the that the potential clients out there actually realize this right now that you're going to have this moment that this is something you need to know now? Is there something because you're clearly not just an average accountant? So what's the what's the aha moment that you think clients have within their business? Mm. Or about their financials. Well, with within working with, in the context of working with you, what's the where does it become for them going? Oh wow! I think for us, it's the focus on time. So where a lot of other practices may bill by the hour and charge for every minute and every folder they open. We don't do that. We actually do a fixed fee so that. Clients would just pay for that over a 12-month period. They pay exactly the same. It's not a retainer. It's more like a payment plan. So they know exactly what they're going to pay, and it will include phone calls, the emails, two meetings a year as a minimum so that we actually sit down and we talk about this stuff, and they can call us and just ask the question without it being, oh, God, are they going to charge us for this? Because then you find that some questions don't get asked, and they can be really important questions for the whatever's going on in the business at the time. So I think for us, the the difference is that we focus on spending time with our clients so that they can come in, have a conversation, talk through the numbers so that they actually get to understand it and ask the questions that they need to, tell us what's going on in their life and their business so that we're aware of it and we can give better, more proactive advice because we know what's going on rather than looking 12, 18 months back. It just makes such a difference. I so love that. And it's so the opposite of what you hear from, from many accounting firms. And, and and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with the other model, but this is a model that clearly works for, for a lot of people. And um, and having that known amount um, that they're working, you know, that's, that's coming in every month. Because there is, I always find it amazing that often the only time that you hear from uh, many financial service-based organizations is tax time. And then you get their bill. So once you've dealt, all of a sudden you've got, okay, well, I can deal with the tax bill and the, you know, and all of the things associated with that. And then you get their bill on top of it and you're going, oh, yeah. crap. And, and, it's, and it's really hard. Managing cash flow is one of the hardest things for a small business owner. So I, you know, I listened to our clients and what their pain points were. And one was no communication the other one was random unknown bills. And I thought, well, this just manages the cash flow for them because they know what they're going to pay. So there's no ups and downs and surprises. It's just all set. Fantastic. Nikki, I've so loved getting to know you a little bit better and to hear more about your, your business. It's it's extraordinarily different and I love the approach. We, as always, will include some information in the um, in the show notes uh, for this. So if anyone out there wants to get in touch with Nikki, you'll have means to be able to do that. Uh, thank you for being part of BizBytes. Um, appreciate you being a guest and thank you to everyone for listening in and uh, stay tuned for the next episode coming soon. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
BizBytes is brought to you by Com Together for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au, follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.